Okay, so at this time, we're blessed to have our second message for today, brought to us by Elder Barnabas Grayson, entitled, Great Law of Peace. Good afternoon, everyone. As usual, you have a handout. Today, as in times past, the, there are ups and downs. And peace is difficult to have and to maintain. What can we do to have peace and tranquility in these troubled times? Before I go into the uh, heart of the sermon this afternoon, I would like to uh, do a little bit of history. A little bit of history about today's date of July 4, 1776. I know that in history you have a lot of details, you have a lot of facts and uh, things in American history that I pretty well have left in the classrooms from which I learned it. There's, I don't really uh, remember a whole lot. But we call today Independence Day, being free. So across America, the highlights of this day, for many, is perhaps a fireworks display. And for some, it is a look back into history, which is, you know, not quite as exciting as popping firecrackers or fireworks as they're called nowadays. But the 4th of July is a special date in our nation's history. It's a federal holiday established in, in 1941. It's a patriotic celebration in which, you know, the stars and stripes are raised. And there are speeches, there are parades, there are picnics, there are fireworks. People enjoying freedom to do whatever... Uh, the holiday presents for them. That is before COVID-19 placed a limitation on how much we can do or how much we can safely do. And by the way, there's a, there's a Nathan's famous hot dog eating contest today on ESPN. I think it was supposed to have been at noon. I missed it, but But it was held in, in kind of a uh, limited environment. So there are a lot of things that we look forward to on the 4th of July. It's a time when we remember the words, we the people. That we can celebrate just being free to enjoy the blessings that this, that this nation has provided in so many ways. As earlier uh, in, in the first message that Deuteronomy 11 describes. You know, it's a time when we also, when we the people, remember how one special document, the Constitution of the United States, was, it was created to ensure these blessings of liberty and, and the rights of its people. This document is a great law of peace and one in which countless souls have gone to war, you know, to, to, uh, ironically, to, to secure that peace given their lives to preserve, protect, and defend it. 
So it's one of the, you know, that lawmakers and other officials and government, they take a solemn oath to uphold it and then to uh, abide by it. But why is it a great law of peace? It's because it embodies a system of government designed to ensure domestic tranquility, among other things. The beginnings of this great law of peace, however, goes even deeper than the date of July 4, 1776. We may look back to the civilizations of Europe, to the democratic ideals of classical Greece, and also to biblical history in which the nation grew, this nation grew from uh, Isaac and uh, Jacob and Abraham. But it goes even deeper in this land of America, North America, where it can also be traced to the native nations that were here when this land was being settled and on its way to declaring independence from England, their brother nation. Now what the founding fathers desired was a document that would enable them to assert the people's sovereignty over a vast geographical expanse that no government in Europe had. For they were a continent that was made up of different countries, cultures, and borders, and languages, and forms of government. So the old world did not provide adequate precedents to ensure a free and democratic people over so vast a land as we have here in America, the United States, with so many resources, natural beauties, and so on. But once the founding fathers and the colonies decided to declare independence from England, the framers were in search for democratic principles of initiative, of recall, of referendum, and equal suffrage. But the monarchies, the dynasties, the dictatorships that were prevalent in Europe was not the path a new and independent loving people desired or wanted. So they had come to this land in the beginning to escape the oppression that was going on across the waters. The oppression of willful kings and enriching themselves at the expense of their subjects. So a constitution had to be based on new world ideals, ideals of freedom and not the old ways. Now, long before Columbus discovered America, a federal constitution had been adopted by American Indian nations which established the democratic principles of initiative, recall, referendum, and equal suffrage. And those were things that governed the six nations of the so-called Iroquois Confederacy. Curiously, it seemed to be that the founding fathers spent some time in the woods and among the Indian tribes to learn of these democratic uh, concepts. They were studied and they were observed. Now, it was Benjamin Franklin who urged the uh, colonial governors to follow the scheme of union crafted by these Six Nations in organizing an American government under the Articles of Confederation. Now, I know that some of us have not heard of this part of history, but anyway, Thomas Jefferson, the author of the Declaration of Independence and the first Bill of Rights, 
cited the Indian preference for self-government as an enduring element of American democracy that we have today. So both Jefferson and Franklin acknowledge this contribution that formed the basis of the Constitution, this great law of peace. So before the ideals of inalienable rights and liberty and democracy were strung together in words, they were strung together in beads. Beads that were made of seashells, not glass beads from Europe, but seashell beads that come from the sea. And you can look uh, up on the internet to see what this, uh, this uh, looked like, the images uh, that were on there. Now this was written on wampum belts. You've heard of wampum. Belts of white and purple beads in the form of symbols like, you know, like hieroglyphics or picture writing. So these symbols spelled out uh, its means of government. And on it were the symbols of the people of the Iroquois Confederacy. This Iroquois Confederacy wampum belt represents 1,000 years of democratic principles that form the basis of the Constitution. Wampum is, wampum is a word that means uh, white shell beads. And Thomas Jefferson cited it as an example of self-government. John Adams, however, believed in the fundamentals of the British Constitution, but he felt it worth the pain to collect the legislation of the Indians for study while crafting a new constitution. In 1790 at Tammany Hall, a meeting in New York, the Iroquois and its relationship to the U.S. Constitution was duly recognized. Though the Constitution had Greek and uh, Roman ideals placed on it, both Jefferson and Franklin openly acknowledge the contribution of the Indian people forming the basis of uh, the Constitution. And so, 197 years later, on December the 2nd, 1987, Senate Resolution 74 acknowledged the Iroquois contribution to the U.S. Constitution and the Articles of Confederation. It's a history that's been left out of many textbooks for one reason or another. But to know this comes an understanding that we the people, as it says in the Constitution, we the people means all people. But we the people began as an ancient Indian phrase. And the wampum belt displays this in symbolic form before the ideas of inalienable rights, liberty, and democracy were written down in the Constitution. And today it applies to the melting pot that we know as the United States of America. But it was Governor Morris who wrote the words to begin the preamble that says, we the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity do ordain and establish this Constitution for the United States of America. So this introduction to the Constitution, we the people, the aims of this great law of peace, 
And we the people means all people. And it set the stage for the purpose and intentions of the framers of the Constitution. In these words, we the people, affirms that this government of the United States exists to serve its citizens and its people. So Governor Moore, Governor uh, Morris, that's his name, crafted the words, writing it from scratch, though Patrick Henry, he was an anti-federalist, he attacked those words in a debate with James Madison at the convention to, uh, to approve the Constitution. So of course the words, we the people, stands out at the beginning. And it grabs our attention because of its penmanship and because uh, of its size. It grabs our attention. So we the people means all of us. Those who are its citizens. One nation under God. A city set high on a hill. A light of liberty and hope to the world. A nation blessed by God with life, glory, and liberty unsurpassed by any nation the world has ever known. And we are a part of this great nation in many ways. Yet we know that perfect peace remains elusive. And as we look around at our world today, we see society at odds with one another over one thing or another. And this scripture may come to mind, written in Isaiah, the way of peace they know not. They don't know. And there is no judgment in their goings. They have made them crooked paths. Whosoever goes there, therein shall not know peace. And we read elsewhere it says that my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, of knowing the right way, of having the judgment to know which way is the safe way, the best way to go. But we know what peace is all about. Peace is to have calm. It's to have serenity. It's to have an undisturbed state of mind. It means being free and from war and from strife and to enjoy harmony and order. Now we know the Sabbath day. We've, we've heard this, that the Sabbath day is a time of rest. And we meet together inside this room we call a sanctuary, to set, to set ourselves apart from the things, the serious things that are going outside these walls and the things that are going on in our world today. And together we focus on, on things we hear from the word of God that makes for peace and, and also prosperity, but also uh, love and faith. Spiritual things that lead to understanding of what it takes to have and to maintain freedom from discord, from conflicts, from variance, from dissension and contentions and differences. Words that are opposite in the meaning of the spirit of peace. Instead today we find our nation divided by politics, divided by race, by injustice, and other dissensions that are obstacles to true peace and unity. And we the people are divided instead of truly united. And we know that a spirit being is at work behind the scenes. Called Satan the devil. He's behind the strife and he's behind the turmoil that we see. And using that old uh, strategy of divide and conquer. 
Now, what would Jesus have us to do in these ups and downs that we face in our nation? Jesus said, over in John chapter 8, he said the truth shall make you free. Now, what does that mean? It means following the example of Christ. It means studying the word of God and living in the word of God. Look at John chapter 8, verse, first, verse 20. These words spoke Jesus in the treasury as he taught in the temple, and no man laid hands on him, for his hour has, uh, was not yet come. Then said Jesus again unto them, I go my way, and ye shall seek me, and, ye, and shall die in your sins. Where I go, you cannot come. Then said the Jews, Will he kill himself? Because he said, Where I go, you cannot come. But he said unto them, You are from beneath. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. Statements that if we were said to us would make us scratch our head and wonder, what is he talking about? Is he a space man? Is he a being from another world? And in a way, he is. And <clears throat> he said, I said therefore unto you that you shall die in your sins. For if you believe not that I am he, you shall die in your sins. So the reasons that we may glean from these verses is as to why they would die in their sins. Because they were worldly. The people that just didn't catch on to the words that Christ was giving them at the time. And they did not believe in Jesus. They did not believe in him. And they do not believe that he spoke the, word, spoke the words of the Father who sent him. Then said they unto him, verse 25, who are you? And Jesus said unto them, even the same that I said unto you from the beginning. I have many things to say and to judge of you, but he that sent me is true. And I speak to the world those things which I have heard of him. And we are the recipients of those words. As we know them today from, from the holy word of God. But they understood not that he spoke to them of the father. Then said Jesus unto them. When you have lifted up the son of man. That is when you've crucified the son of man. Then shall you know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father has taught me, I speak these things. And he that sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I do always those things that <clears throat> please him. As he spoke these words, many believed on him. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then are you disciples. <clears throat> and you shall know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. So if we continue in his word. It says then are you my disciples. And we see how continuance in his word. Is important to becoming his disciples. To know what his word says. Is to understand the truth about being set free. Through Christ. Set free of sin. Through Christ. And then to know that as the father has taught Jesus. He speaks those things. About salvation. That we should always do in our life. What Jesus. What Jesus said. He did. 
There in verse 29 we read, For I do always those things that please him, that please God. Now what are those things that please him? It's having the fruits of the Spirit and growing them throughout our lifetime. We know from Galatians 5.22 that the fruit of the Spirit, that one of them is peace. In addition to love and long-suffering or patience and joy and gentleness and goodness and faith and meekness and temperance. Against such there is no law. In Psalm 119, in, uh, verse 165, it says, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. That is, you know, make them stumble and do wrong. Now, there are many things in our society today that can offend us, that can make us stumble, things that can tip our bubble uh, because they make us go too far left or too far right, out of balance, out of kilter or out of order. We know there is social turmoil, there is religious turmoil, there is political turmoil, and there are also personal trials and troubles, all sorts of things that can offend or anger us and our peace of mind is broken. In the book of Revelation, we read of four horsemen that will come along to disrupt peace and bring trouble. One of them is a red horse, described in Revelation 6, 4. And it says there, in that verse, there went out another horse. This was after the mentioning of the white horse preceding it. And power was given to him that sat thereon to take peace from the earth, and that they should kill one another. And there was given unto him a great sword. So, you know, the first rider was a, pale, uh, was a white horse holding a bow, and it had on a victor's crown, and it went forth, he went forth to conquer. Now, some say this could be the, a future world uh, ruler, an antichrist, a great pretender holding sway over, with his defeats over the people. But he holds a bow without an arrow. An arrow is not mentioned, which may imply that his mission is accomplished without warfare and that there is a time of peace then followed by this red horse that we see in Revelation 6, 4, in which peace is taken from the earth. And then we see uh, after these things, there's the uh, black horse, which is symbolic of a famine and death, and then a pale horse, or literally a green, pale, uh, pale green horse with the name death and Hades, that Hades, the grave or death was following right behind him in the, as, you know, the aftermath of war and famine and disease. But in times like these, what do we do? When we know what is happening now and what's going to happen in the future and what can we do to go through those particular times of trouble? The Apostle Paul said over in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6 he said be careful for nothing you know don't worry uh, peace will come but just don't have undue anxiety still we you know we must be concerned 
and do what we can to alleviate some of the troubles that we have and you know learn to cope and have hope but these Philippians they knew Paul <clears throat> they saw in his conduct that he followed Jesus Christ and he said in uh, to verse 9 those things which you have learned and received and heard and seen in me do and the God of peace shall be with you so as long as you put into practice the things uh, of Christ, the teachings of Christ, and the preaching of his messengers, or from the reading of the word, it says a God of peace will be with us. <clears throat> and it says, <clears throat> and let the peace of God be with you. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. To the which also you're called in one body. And be ye thankful. So we're called to peace. To be guided by it. And we are to be thankful. And have an attitude. Of gratitude. When it seems things are not going our way. It's a time to count your blessings. To sort of mitigate what's going on around. Because you know, there are a lot of things. Little things. That matter. And it helps one to have, have hope. And to know that the closer we are to Christ, the closer we are to one another and, and to all people. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Verse 2. Set your uh, affection on things above. You know not on things on the earth. For you are dead. And your life is hid with Christ. In God. When Christ who is our life. Shall appear. Then shall you also appear. With him in, in glory. So. <clears throat> when Christ who is our life. Shall appear. Then shall you appear. With him in glory. That we are to put to death to. Mortify the deeds, the sins that cause death, and not let sin rule in our, in our uh, life. Verse 5, mortify therefore your members, which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, covetousness, which is idolatry. For which things sake the wrath of God comes on the children of of disobedience. So that day is coming upon the whole world at some point. And we know also from scripture that judgment begins at the house of God. Verse 7. In the which you also walk sometime when you lived in them. So some of these things that are mentioned we, you know, we lived in. But now you also put off all these. Anger and wrath and malice, blasphemy. Filthy communications out of your mouth. Filthy communications that apply to a lot of words that are spoken. Words matter we know. And they can either provoke anger or they can provoke love or they can provoke unity. They can provoke hate also. And we are to lie not one to another. Seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. So when we are baptized, when we are repentant, when we study the word of God. 
we begin to put on this new man. We, we start clothing ourselves in righteousness because we put on the new man or put on uh, this new person which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. So we put on a new way of life, a new disposition which is renewed, you know, present tense, being renewed to keep it, you know, uh, uh, from going into sin, not following the ways of the world, which expects, uh, expects certain things of us apart from the righteousness of God. So it is Christ in us through the power of his word, through the Holy Spirit that refreshes and transforms us and leads us to peace and, and to love. Verse 11 how you know we the people can uh, relate to this scripture it says where there is neither Greek nor Jew circumcision nor uncircumcision barbarian Scythian bond nor free but Christ is all and in all so in a way I can take heart in this because being of, uh, of Native American ancestry this gives me the promise that Christ is in all and and uh, leads and guides us in the way that we should go. So this is, this is we the people. There's no national distinction, Greek or Jew, as we see. There's no religious distinction, circumcised or uncircumcised. There's no cultural distinction like barbarian or Scythian. There's no social or economic distinction, slave or free. Christ is all and is in all and every Christian is to live as a new person in accord with the word of Christ and and the words of the father so verse 12 put on therefore as the elect of God holy and beloved bowels of mercies kindness humbleness of mind meekness and long-suffering that's the clothing of the new person who accepts Jesus Christ and believes in the word of God so clothe ourselves, clothe, your, clothe yourselves as a chosen of God with this new uh, attitude, with this new life, and just lay aside the old self. Forbearing one another, verse 13, and forgiving one another. For if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave, so also do you. We realize that no one is perfect. We are still learning. So we have to have patience toward one another because we're still learning. And this is a great law of peace and having peace among ourselves. Colossians 3.14 And above all these things put on charity and love, the agape love, which is the bond of perfectness. So of all the virtues of faith, hope and charity, we, we see from 1 Corinthians that the greatest of these is charity. The greatest of these is, is love. In Romans chapter 12, 9, I'm just going to read. It, it says to let love be without dissimulation and abhor that which is evil and cleave to that which is good. So when there comes a choice between uh, expressing love, this is what we remember to abhor that which is evil. Let love be without dissemination. Let love be sincere. 
Let it be active and seek peace and pursue it, it says. Verse 15 of Colossians 3, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also you're called in one body, and be ye thankful. So don't let, you know, contentious thoughts <coughs> trouble your mind. If you do, it will only build up resentment. So in this age, it's really easy to get caught up in, in the turmoil that's going on. In Hebrews chapter 12, just want to read uh, one verse of that. won't need to turn there. But it, in, there's a part in there that says, follow peace with all men and holiness, which no man shall see the Lord, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. So it says also in Romans 12, 18, that if it be possible, as much as lies in you, live peaceably with all men. Peace and harmony with others is, you know, it's not always achievable, but it must not be the Christian who departs from uh, the way of unity or, or love, but to do what is right. This root of bitterness is like any root that, that grows, uh, takes in whatever is uh, underneath the tree itself. This root of bitterness uh, you don't see until it manifests itself. So it's always there underneath. And we have to be aware uh, of the way we are walking in, in, in this life. But blessed be the peacemakers, said Jesus, for they shall be called the children of God. Verse 16 of Colossians 3, it says, Let the word of, of uh, Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, Singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. So let the peace of God, it says, rule in your hearts. And let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And let love be without hypocrisy. So we the people, the disciples of Christ, <clears throat> can help one another in doing these things. By sharing the word of God. By being an example. In, in, in these things. And we can also pray. For one another. I know there are some. Who are here. There are some here. Who mention your names. In their prayers. Who pray that you. And yours. Your family. Will be safe. Or comforted. Or healed. Or helped out. But of course we don't know unless, you know unless they tell you and say hey you know you were in my you were in my prayer just just last night so there we are a praying church we pray here for uh, healing of, of people but we also take these uh, concerns in our own prayer closet verse 17 of Colossians 3 but whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and 
the Father by him, and the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. In James chapter 3, a scripture there it says, But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, then gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make that make peace of, of them that are doing the right thing. Holding things together by love. First Peter uh, chapter 3. Go there. Verse 8. Finally. Be you all of one mind, that is, you know, be united with having compassion, one of another, love as brethren, you know, love as a family, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise, blessing, knowing that you are thereunto called, that you should inherit a blessing. For all that will love life and see good days, let him re refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. So Philippians 4 9 verses 6 through 9. I'm just going to. Uh, you have this on your outline. You can read this. But here we have things that make for peace. And that the peace of God. Which passes all understanding. Shall keep your hearts and minds. Through Christ Jesus. So. Let us therefore follow after these things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify one another. In John chapter 14, Jesus said, you know, he answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words and my father will love him. And we will come unto him and make our abode with him. He that loves me not doesn't keep my sayings. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the spirit which sent me. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. And then he, he promises the comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, that the Father will send in Christ's name. And he, it, shall teach you all things. Verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So peace is a fruit of the Holy Spirit, as mentioned earlier in Galatians chapter 5. 
conclusion. Let's look at verse 11 of 2 Corinthians 13. I have a reference here to 1 Peter 1, but uh, I want to stay within the time limit that I, I gave to myself. 1 Peter 1 and 3, 4, but here in 2 Corinthians 13, 11, it says, Finally, brethren, farewell. Be perfect. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. Live in peace, and the God of love and peace shall be with you. Now, when the words at the beginning of creation were spoken, let us make man in our image, there was a plan of salvation. This is a declaration of sorts, a, a preamble, so to speak, and one that would ensure the cause for peace with God and, and freedom from sin and death. And so we, the people, are the recipients of that plan of salvation and the great law of peace, which is that of love, love toward God, love toward neighbor, toward countrymen, fellow countrymen, things that lead to peace we put in practice and with that great law of peace we find embodied in the Ten Commandments and great peace it says have they which love thy law and if we have this great peace going through our hearts and in our minds nothing shall make us stumble no wrong no trouble we will have the comfort of the Holy Spirit and the words and the example of Jesus Christ our Lord. So the great law of peace can be embodied in, in, in those words that we see in the Constitution a copy over here. I forgot which one it is. And sometimes we uh, should look at those. They've been up there for um, as many years as I can remember. And uh, it'd be good to refresh our hearts and our minds on these things. So happy Sabbath and happy Fourth of July. <laughs>